0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome, all of you, Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love trading drafting, scouting, managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you? So let's talk some dynasty in store today on episode number 110. We're going to review week 7. Man, week 7 in the NFL was a blast, wasn't it? Filled with lots of last-second wins and shootouts. I know as an NFL fan, it was a fantastic Sunday to watch football. As a dynasty manager, it was definitely a roller coaster of positive and negative emotions depending on who you had on your teams or who you were playing against. Personally, I had a mediocre week. team's finished 5-3 this week with some heartbreaking losses and some satisfying wins, too. But like I say every week, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and share on all my teams. So after following all the games this week, uh, I'm going to give you some of my thoughts overall on week number seven. First thing I'll say about week number seven was we had some fantastic finishes. I don't know if you were watching the Red Zone, but it was pretty fun. Almost all of the early games were close and I think like the last 15 minutes on the Red Zone channel, it was really riveting, the last 15 minutes of those games. Teddy Bridgewater took a, a horrible sack on the final on his final play, leaving Joey Sly to attempt an NFL record 65-yard field goal that fell one yard short, costing them the chance to tie the game. And after getting pushed around for most of the game, the Titans furiously came back against the Steelers, thanks to three Ben Roethlisberger interceptions, but then Steven Goskowski missed the game-tying field goal. Todd Gurley he hilariously tried not to score a touchdown in Atlanta uh, just to run out the clock, but after a booth review, it was proved that he actually crossed the goal line, which gave Matt Stafford and the Lions a chance to drive the ball down the field for a game-winning touchdown on a on a pretty controversial end to that game as well. Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield threw a combined, I think, record-high five touchdown passes in a fourth quarter, including a five go-ahead that's what it was five go-ahead touchdowns in the fourth quarter, which is a record. Uh, NFL record, including that last 24-yard strike by Mayfield to win the game with 11 seconds left. And man, all of this action took place in what felt like about a 15-minute period of time that was ridiculously entertaining to watch all at once. Uh, The afternoon games, they were not nearly as competitive, uh, but we were gifted with that incredible overtime classic Sunday night between Arizona and Seattle. Sunday was just overall a blast. I'm recording this on Monday, so uh, Monday afternoon just before the Monday night game. So hopefully we'll get ourselves so good Monday night game as well. Second thing that I'd say about week number seven is that rookie quarterbacks were on a fire. Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert both really look like franchise quarterbacks through the air and on the ground. Herbert threw for 347 yards and three touchdowns while also leading the team in rushing with 66 yards and a touchdown. He just displayed his mobility and his rocket arm, throwing the ball downfield more than almost any quarterback that I've watched this season Uh, He targeted running backs, true, 11 times, but those were really only on design screenplays where they were the primary target. Other than that, he's really looking downfield and is always trying to make a big play. Uh, Burrow, for his part, he had 406 yards on three touchdowns and also added one on the ground. Burrow doesn't have Herbert's rocket arm, uh, but his accuracy is what really makes him stand out. He's firmly in control of the offense, and yesterday he completed 74.5, so 75% of his passes just smartly kind of dinking and dunking his way down the field and taking what the defense would give him. I think Herbert earned his very first win as a a starter, and Burrow fell short of getting his second win as a starter. But these rookies will add up plenty of wins in the next decade to come, as they hopefully lift their teams from the ranks of the mediocre teams to being uh, good teams. I hope so. They are fun to watch. Let's see now if Tua can do the same thing with his first start next week. Third thing I'll say, I'm going to call this second-guessing. Second-guessing myself. Philip Lindsay. I think he played far better than Melvin Gordon in the snow on Sunday before he exited the game with a concussion. Lindsay had more than 100 yards rushing last week while Gordon missed the game because of an illness. And then Lindsay was very involved in the game plan to start this game on Sunday, and he was looking great. He was averaging 8.8 yards per carry compared to Gordon's 4.0. He looked far more explosive, more quick than Gordon. When really, Gordon just looked like more of a plotter. Um, really didn't look like himself. Gordon saved his fantasy day with a late touchdown, but I'm convinced that Lindsey uh, would have outplayed Gordon if they if he did not get injured. I'm beginning to question how highly I value Gordon to start the season. If you've been following me, you know that I drafted him on my most recent startup draft. I also traded a 2021 first round pick for him on a team that I'm currently in first place and just really wanted a little more solid position at the RB2 spot. I started him in one league, and I actually benched him this this week. I actually started him in one league, but I also benched him in one league in place of uh, put Gio Bernard in there in the other league. I really think if Lindsey returns to be healthy this Sunday, if he gets over the concussion protocol quick, I'm starting to think I'd rather actually play Lindsey uh, than Gordon, which I would not have said, which is why... I'm second guessing myself. We've really yet to see a game when both of them were healthy to see how they're going to divvy it up. But the way that that game started this week makes me think that Lindsey's going to be much more involved, and he sure looked better yesterday. Next thing I'll say, uh, third observation or fourth observation, I'll call it up from the ashes. Don't look now, but Nelson Aguilar has uh, scored four touchdowns in six games this season, and he scored one in each of the last three consecutive weeks. He's averaged 107 here. He had 107 yards last, um, yesterday against the Chiefs uh, while he was the leading receiver with nine targets. Now, I said leading receiver, not leading pass catcher, because we know that Darren Waller is the absolute number one target in Las Vegas um, with his 56 targets so far. But Aguilar had nine targets on Sunday, and he's played between 40 and 67 snaps since week three. So he's playing a lot more. He's making the most of his starting time while Brian Edwards' injury continues to linger. And he could hold off the rookie if he continues to play well and score touchdowns. He's not proven enough yet, I think, to be inserted into starting dynasty lineups. But that could change if he gets more targets and and scores for a fourth consecutive week. At roster cut time uh, before the season started, I dropped him from one of my leagues and I kept him in another. (laughs) So that's how I thought of Aguilar going into this year. Given all the draft picks that they put, yeah, they uh, got there in Las Vegas. I just decided to cut him, and I kept him in one league. And now I don't think that he's an on the bubble player anymore. I wish I would have kept him in both leagues. Regret cutting him in the one. Final thing I'll say, uh, as far as an overall observation, I'll call this one Target Hogs. My goodness, Tyler Lockett and Devontae Adams were target target hogs on Sunday. They tuned those uh, turned those targets into fantasy game winning performances. Oh, man, only only 19 players have ever had more than 20 targets in a game, including Devontae Adams, who had 21 in 2015. But Lockett had 20 targets on Sunday night, turning them into 15 catches, three touchdowns, and 200 yards, while Adams had 16 targets, turned them into 13 catches, two touchdowns, and 196 yards. It's insane. Now, they both, of course, benefit because they have two of the most efficient passers in NFL history as well. Russell Wilson... And Aaron Rodgers, uh, a a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers target is just not like a target from other NFL quarterbacks because they're so amazingly accurate and efficient and has such a great touchdown rate. Man, watching these duos on Sunday really is like watching a passing game clinic. Congrats if you had them on one of your starting lineups and apologies to those of you who played against them. I know I lost a game because of of, uh, Adams. I lost a game because of Lockett. And then I also won a game because of Adams. So that's how it goes sometimes. Definitely game changers. Let's talk now some about the injuries for week number seven. Week number seven injuries and their impact on our uh, dynasty value of these players. First injury feels like a long time ago, but going back to Thursday night was Devontae Freeman. Uh, Freeman hurt his ankle Thursday night's game and was unable to return to play. Just when he was starting to look like he was going to be the, the bell cow back there in the Giants, he gets injured and then Wayne Gallman stepped into Freeman's role and actually played pretty well on Thursday. I'll write more about Gallman in the waiver wire section, so I'll say more about uh, Gallman in the waiver wire section. But as for the rest of the Giants players, um, I don't know, Uh, Freeman's injury doesn't really make the offense much less effective. Um, It's a bad offense to begin with, uh, with or without Freeman. I would say that Sterling Shepard really looked great in his first game back. So the Giants may try to lean a little bit more on the passing game, in which case I would be uh, curious to see what Shepard does. But other than that, I think Freeman, Gallman, I don't think it changes much in regard to the dynasty value or this year's value of the Giant players. Next one makes a big one, though, is Kenyon Drake. Uh, it's inappropriate to say, but Chase Edmonds' owners have been waiting for this opportunity, right? Drake seemed to have uh, hurt his ankle pretty bad. I think I just saw, um, come across it. It looks like it's going to be a several-week injury. And Edmonds stepped right in to help Arizona in their comeback win against Seattle Sunday night. Uh, this injury is the chance that Edmonds needs to surpass Drake in the depth chart for good. I really believe he can do it. If you know me, I've been really, really low on Drake and high on Edmonds replacing him sometime this year. Here's his opportunity. Uh, he's been far more effective in the passing game already this season, and now he gets to add more rushes to his game. I already had uh, Drake and Edmonds real close in my dynasty rankings. Drake at 27 and Edmonds at number 34 in the running back category. I wish, I think that they could actually end up switching places pretty quickly here if Edmonds takes advantage of this opportunity like I think he will. Next that injury was Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Beckham tore his ACL attempting to make a tackle after an interception and will miss the rest of the season as a result. I mean, his dynasty value was already dropping and dropping based on his erratic play, kind of up and down play, based on Baker Mayfield's up and down play and his struggles this year, and the fact that they have this new run-first system installed. This injury will cause younger receivers to continue to jump ahead of him in my dynasty rankings. Uh, as for the players that stand to benefit this year, Jarvis Landry, Um, He'll probably become Mayfield's primary target and maintain his dynasty value as a startable wide receiver three on fantasy teams. Then Rashard Higgins uh, benefited the most on this Sunday and seemed likely to be the most targeted wide receiver uh, after his six-catch, 110-yard day. Donovan Peoples-Jones will also now have the opportunity to prove himself after making a game-winning catch on Sunday. Jones has the more dynasty value just based on his age and pedigree but Higgins will hold a greater value, uh, fantasy value, I believe, for the rest of this season. Then there was Chris Carson. He hurt his foot in the game. It's considered to be uh, week-to-week now. Uh, Carlos Hyde had a real solid performance in his place, scoring a touchdown on his 15 carries and 68 yards. Before the season started, I really believe that Hyde would significantly cut into Carson's workload because I've always valued Hyde's talent more than most other analysts. However, Hyde uh, has been hampered by his own injuries to start the season, and really was unable to prove himself or cut into Carson's time. Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, I think they will get a handful of touches while Carson's missing, but Hyde will be the lead back and on a highly productive offense, I think Hyde is really maybe startable as a flex play while Carson is out and could prove worthy of splitting time with Carson if he does well in this opportunity that he's been given. Dynasty value of all Seattle running backs remains about the same, but Hyde could uh, help his fantasy teams, I think, at least for this year. And then the last injury, Andy Dalton, he was concussed on a very cheap hit while attempting to slide. Recovery time for concussions varies greatly, Uh, so he could be back soon as Sunday, um, or he could miss several weeks, we just don't know. Every uh, fantasy player on the Dallas team was downgraded uh, significantly after Dak Prescott was injured, and now if Dalton's unable to play, my goodness, Dallas's pass catchers are unstartable, and even Ezekiel Elliott may be too. Uh, the dynasty value of all the Dallas players remains the same. However, uh, while they wait for the 2021 season, hopefully the return of Dak under a long-term contract, that will bring everyone right back to where they should be in their dynasty value. Let's talk a little bit about the waiver wire. Just as a reminder, I do play in 27-30 to 30 man roster leagues, true dynasty leagues. So the players that I list here are really for uh, deep leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there's definitely better players, obviously, out there to pick up. But that said, if you're a true dynasty leagues like I am, uh, here's who I'd be looking to pick up this week. Did a little perusing of my leagues and found that these players were available in some of them, so I'll mention them here in the order that I would prioritize them. First would be Marquez uh, Callaway. Callaway had his first breakout game on Sunday, uh, catching eight balls for seventy-five yards. He was the most targeted player for Drew Brees too. Pretty amazing. Uh, he's not very. He was not very active in the game plans for the first four weeks of the season while Michael Thomas was injured. But he played 52 and 51 snaps the last two weeks. Emmanuel Sanders didn't play on Sunday, so the Saints were missing their top two receivers. That gave Callaway the chance. Uh, But he could find himself back on the bench, you know, when they come back. But that said, Callaway, as an undrafted rookie, is a great dynasty stash, regardless of if he plays much again this year or not. He proved that he could make plays in the NFL this week and is my top waiver priority uh, for me this week, especially if there's any truth to the rumors that the Saints are looking to trade Michael Thomas, this is the perfect type of guy, young rookie who proves something in his first significant action um, on a team that knows how to use their receivers. Um, I think I would make him my first priority for sure. Second would be Wayne Gallman. If Freeman's injury keeps him out for a few weeks, Gallman's worth a waiver wire ad just to see really how he performs if he gets this lead role. He did well on Thursday night, getting 54 yards on eight touches, including five receptions. I'm not going to try to pick him up in every league uh, that he's available, but if I were weak at running back due to injuries or had a player that I was willing to drop, um, I'd be willing to pick up Gallman uh, this week. And then last would be Rashard Higgins. As I said uh, before, Higgins played well after Beckham left the game on Sunday. I do think he stands to take over OBJ's role for the rest of the season. Mayfield uh, had the best game of his career, though, on Sunday, at least by PFF ranking. Uh, but I don't expect Cleveland to pass the ball the rest of the season as much as they did on Sunday in that shootout with Cincinnati. I wouldn't be willing to, to drop a rookie or a young wide receiver to add Higgins since he'll likely only help my team this year. But if I had a roster spot or maybe had many you know, wide receivers that were injured, I'd consider adding him. He might might get start some, sometime this year um, if I was in a pinch. Now we'll do uh, close our podcast here with... Trades, these are actual trades that were my made in my leagues. You know, when you listen to podcasts, it's really hard to grade a trade in a vacuum since scoring systems are different for each league and every team really has a diverse roster construction. You don't really know what the fantasy managers, dynasty managers were aiming to do. And so I'm going to be able to tell you what they were aiming to do, at least by my estimation, because I'm looking at their rosters and deciding if they're a contender or if they're rebuilding and what they were trying to do with these trades. So these are real trades that went down in my eight leagues uh, this this last week. First one, pretty big one, J.K. Dobbins for Justin Jefferson and Gardner Minshew. J.K. Dobbins for Just, Justin Jefferson and Gardner Minshew. This trade took place in my 10-team standard league. Um, I traded Dobbins in this league last week to, as part of a package deal to acquire Stefan Diggs. And now this owner moved Dobbins to get a breakout rookie in Justin Jefferson. The team that traded for Jefferson does have more depth at running back than wide receiver, and then the team that traded for Dobbins has more depth at receiver than running back, so the deal kind of made sense for both teams. Uh, part of the reason uh, I was willing to trade Dobbins, though, last week was my growing frustration with how Baltimore seems to be committed to rotating uh, their running backs, and I'm not sure if he's go- that's going to change. Though Dobbins was my number two-ranked rookie in his class, I believe that I would rather have Jefferson after seeing his few breakout games this year. Uh, this year, Minnesota's tanking, as evidenced by the trade that they made by selling uh, Yannick Ndokwe to Baltimore. Uh, Minnesota may draft a much better quarterback to become the one passing to Jefferson in the years to come. That would be pretty interesting to see if they move on from Kirk Cousins shortly and Jefferson gets paired. Also add that fact that the you know we know receivers in Dynasty Leagues last longer than running backs. That also pushes me a little bit more on the Justin Jefferson side of this trade. As for Gardner Minshew, I didn't really even consider him in the trade. He might not be starting. He might lose a starting job this year. Let alone uh, to a rookie running, a rookie quarterback from next year. Next trade that took place in my leagues was Ronald Jones for Tyler Boyd, player for player. There, Ronald Jones for Tyler Boyd. This trade uh, took place in my ten team standard league. This is the this was a father son trade <laughs> where each team. Needed a starting quality player at different positions. Um, As I said last week, Jones has finally taken the lead running back role in Tampa Bay. Although, gosh, called a question on that this week. That's for sure. He's finally living up to his rookie draft capital. At least he was before Sunday. Uh, Boyd really does have a solid floor, but I think he's been surpassed by rookie T. Higgins, at least in targets and yards. Except for this last week, he got back in there and out-targeted Higgins. So a lot of competition there. I think because of the competition in Cincinnati, I do think that Higgins is going to become the number one targeted player there. Um, Dynasty-wise, I think because of that, I'd prefer Jones at the in this trade. I think Jones' dynasty value is rising while Bo, uh, Boyd's has really plateaued. Although um, I did the summary before Sunday, and that looks a little bit different after the way that they played on Sunday. Next trade that went down in my league was Boston Scott for a 2021 third-round pick. Just wanted to see what Boston Scott's value is, just a 20-21 third-round pick. This trade took place in a 10-team half PPR league. Uh, This was a desperation trade by a team that didn't have an RB2 to start, like because the rest of his running backs were injured or on bye weeks. So he literally didn't have a RB2 in a league where you have to start at least two running backs. In my opinion, um, he didn't have to give up too much to buy a player that really could start for him this week. Um, I think I would trade a third-round pick for Scott, even if I weren't in a pinch like this owner was or um, especially since he has Miles Sanders. So now he permanently has Sanders handcuff on his team just for the price of a third round pick. If I were the other owner, I would have tried to squeeze him <laughs> a little bit more, maybe try to get a second round pick. I think that would have been better. I would have preferred that if I was the other owner, especially when he knew that he was desperate. desperate. I would have tried to squeeze a twenty twenty one second out of him. Next one, this was in my FFPC league. Le'Veon Bell was traded for Hunter Renfro and a fourth round pick pretty curious draft. I mean, pretty curious trade. Like I said, this took place in my 12-team PPR tight end premium league. That's FFPC scoring format. The team that traded away Bell is 0-6. So he was just looking to get picks, I think, in return for Bell. He knows he's not going anywhere this year. While Bell is not going to help his the struggling team this year, I would have thought that he could have held out for a little bit more than just a fourth round pick um, in Hunter Renfro. FFPC leagues have really shallow rosters, cutting players back to 16 before the rookie and free agent drafts. So 16 team rosters, 16 player rosters rather. Yeah, in an FFPC, FFPC league, I think Renfro may not even make the final cut on my roster. I don't know what, I did, forgot to look totally at this guy's roster to see, but I don't know if he's even going to be on his roster. So really it looks more like Le'Veon Bell for possibly Renfro in the fourth round pick or really just the fourth round pick. I wish he could have got more out of the deal. Uh, the on Bell owner is a contending team, so maybe he's just hoping that that this will hit and he'll become the lead running back in Kansas City and help him in his playoff run. Next was trade was Jimmy Graham for a 2021 third-round pick. This trade took place in my 14-team, half PPR, tight end premium, all flex league. <laughs> Much to everyone's surprise, Jimmy Graham is, is the sixth-highest scoring tight end in this league. Sixth-highest, it's crazy. So this team gave away Graham, uh, has the worst record in the league, so he was willing to sell off an aging Graham for future picks. I thought he could hold out for a second-round pick here, but I guess this was the best that he could do. It's a 14-team league, which makes third-round picks even less relevant. I wish he could have got uh, away with maybe trading him his third and got a second back. Uh, I would have liked this more if he was able to get a second back. At the same time, I do know, obviously, Graham is a aging uh, prospect, and he was just trying to get what he could get from him. I would have liked to try to hold out, maybe wait for someone's tight end to get injured and then really be able to sell him. Um, so I like the uh, Jimmy Graham side of this trade. Next, the last pick. This was a big, big trade. <laughs> Justin Herbert and Debo Samuel was traded for Kyler Murray in a 2020 second and third round picks. So Kyler Murray in a 2021 second and third for Justin Herbert and Debo Samuel. Man. This trade took place in a 14-team half PPR, tight end premium, all flex, league, super flex. The team that traded Herbert and Samuel for Murray in the picks was the same last place team mentioned in the previous trade. As a rebuilding team, I really like what he did here. It was kind of the two for one, but he got the best player in my opinion, which is Murray and the two picks. It would have been uh, too much for him to ask for a first round pick, but getting a second and third round pick was really fair value, I think. But the team that traded away Murray and and the picks must have really believed in Herbert. Like I said earlier, already I believe in Herbert too, but Murray's the number two quarterback right now, scoring quarterback in the league right now for fantasy. And he's putting a lot of trust in Herbert that he can make that jump and get to Murray's level pretty quick. He's looked great. In the Super super Flex League, uh, he had Mahomes and Murray as his starters. And though I love Herbert... And the prospect of rolling, but the prospect of rolling out Murray and Mahomes as my starters for the next des- decade, that's just too desirable for me. Um, I do love Debo as a talent, but I have questions about his injury history, his involvement in the offense, that spreads the ball all, all over the place. Uh, Debo did dominate targets the last two weeks, though. So maybe I'm wrong. Uh, that or the Debo owner just sold him at just the right time. I much prefer Murray and the picks here and yeah, think that that owner did a great job. Uh, the one that traded away Murray. I would rather have Murray and Mahomes just running out there as my starting two quarterbacks in a super flex league for the next decade rather than trying to mix it up and get Herbert instead of Murray in there. Um, but we'll see. Herbert's looked good. I just don't think he's color Murray good. Yeah, That's my take. Well, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you all giving a listen, my freaky friends. Contact me anytime. I would love to interact with you guys. You can contact me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me that way. And like I say, every week I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast so that others, others can find us. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there get freaky thanks for listening to the dynasty freaks podcast with your host justin christopher we welcome your thoughts and advice let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league justin prides himself in responding to every email so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow him on twitter at longhorn justin